listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Across midfield, Jones just waiting for somebody. Jones inside the 20 to the 10, and for the fifth time in his career, will not be stopped. Grimes in a pull-up three. Oh, Grimes, dead-eye shooter. Blair to Patterson in the corner for three. To midcourt. That's Mark at the buzzer. Hello and welcome to the, another episode of Pod Slam Jamma presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Anas, and you can find me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Been covering the UH athletic scene for the past three seasons. I'll toss it over to my co-host, Dayon. Take it away. What's up, man? I'm Dayon. You can follow me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. You don't know my credentials. You should by now, because hopefully you've been listening to our podcast. We've been having it going for a little while. But also be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account. It's at Apollo H-O-U, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate it. For sure. And like Dayon said, if you have been listening to us for a while, we greatly appreciate it. We love the support. And if you're just your first time listening to us, we appreciate it too. Keep tuning in, keep spreading the world, the word. Um, we're trying to grow. So whatever support, we we love it. We appreciate it. And we're going to jump right into it. We're coming off the heels of a pretty busy week for the UH basketball teams. Both the men's and women's played a game on Saturday, uh, respectively, January 15th. We'll start on the men's side who continue now on a seven game winning streak after taking a a week off, much needed week off rest. They faced the Tulsa Golden Hurricane in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they were able to hang on to defeat them 66 to 64 in Tulsa. And really, uh, none, Kyler Edwards with a big performance with 29 points at 7 to 15, shooting from the three point line, including just really uh, big shots all over the, the corner of the second half when Houston really needed a go to shot when they were stagnant when Tulsa made that run. Edwards was the calming force, whether it was shooting a three or he did a really good job of getting into the lane when needed and just pulling up for a mid-range jumper. He was kind of the calming force. Josh Carlton put up eight points. He had six rebounds. Tajay Moore had it was a good spark, had a couple of hustle plays. He had seven points and 11 rebounds. Dayon, uh, we'll start off with this clip from head coach Kelvin Sampson, who spoke to reporters after the game talking about uh, a couple of things that we'll get into, but this is specifically on Kyler Edwards and his leadership that he has to show and how the Marcus Sasser is out. Jermon Mark is out. Really, it's up to Kyler Edwards. He's kind of the last man standing for Houston. Obviously, of course, Jamal Shedd suffered uh, a badly ankle sprain in, in Kelvin Sampson's own words following the game against Tulsa. Here's Kelvin Sampson on Kyler Edwards' leadership that was asked by our own Dayon Dunlap. You know what, Dayon? I was impressed with him tonight in the huddles. Uh, you know, when he got here, he was buffered by Marcus and Tremont and Fabian. He just had to fit in, you know, but 
over the last month. Okay, yeah, you know, we've, okay. right. we are starting, our starting backcourt was uh, uh, Kyler, Marcus, and Tremont the entire month of October. Well, we've lost we've lost Tremont and we've lost Marcus. Then the guy that really stepped up and played well for us was Jamal. Well, now we've lost Marcus, we've lost Jamal, and we've lost Jamal. And I think Tyler sensed that tonight because um, he was more assertive than the huddles. Because, you know, last year he was at another school. And these guys went to a Final Four, so he came in willing to sit back and, and, and just watch and, and fit in where he could. Well, you know, Quentin's gone. Dejan's gone. Justin's gone. Um, Bryson's gone. Marcus is gone. Tremont's gone. <laughs> Everybody's gone now. So look, I said, Kyler, look around. Now, now you're the leader. It, you know, it, we didn't plan for it to be that way, but it is now. And I thought he did an awesome job tonight. I thought his um, – he gave us a little swag when we needed it. You know, we were leaking all there, and then they horn was just lighting us up from 23, 24 feet. And then we came back and went up 12 or 14, whatever it was. Uh, a lot of that was Kyler's body language. His, his, he had that mentality about him, and he was exhorting guys in the huddles and pushing guys to keep fighting. Um, and that was all Kyler. So he did a tremendous job tonight with leadership. Once again, that was UH men's basketball head coach, Kelvin Sampson. Dayon, I'll, I'll let you take it away from here. You pointed out um, during the game, you tweeted out that this game for Kyler Edwards, um, certainly this is his, like you mentioned, his transfer year, his senior year. You said that his draft stock went up high following the game against Tulsa. I'll let you take it away. What did you see from Kyler Edwards against the Golden Hurricane? Yeah, I, I, what I mean, I think he definitely improved his draft stock with the game that he had last night, along with the season that he's putting up. He, Like I said in our last episode, he affects the game in so many ways, even when his shot isn't falling, whether it's rebounding, whether it's assists, making plays, making energy plays. And so I knew it was only a matter of time before when his shot started falling. When I saw from last night, he was basically as a point guard on ball last night a lot, and he played really well throughout the pick and roll. We know he's a knockdown shooter. So I think he did really just showed his versatility because if you look at Quentin Grimes from a season ago, some of the questions coming him into the draft was can he create for himself? And I kind of look at, at Kyler's game a little bit. I think that was some of the questions some people would say, although he played on ball at Tech, he really didn't do that much at UH. And, and what he proved last night that he can do that and he can score while on ball while still playing a really good defense. So I was very impressed from what I saw with Kyler last And Like Coach Sampson said, he just played with a different level of swagger. You can tell he was – even when Tulsa made that run, he would make a shot or somebody would make a play and the camera would go on him. He, he just it was a different bravado about himself. And that was a big game from Kyler last night. And switching topics now for the UH men's basketball team, we mentioned that Jamal Shedd uh, suffering, a, a, in the words of Kelvin Sampson, a badly sprained ankle against Tulsa. Houston, they only played eight men against the Golden Hurricane last night, and that, that includes Jamal Shedd, who only played for five minutes. After the game, uh, Kelvin Sampson said, I mean, his message to their walk-on guard, Ryan Elvin, tape up those ankles, son, it's time to go to work. 
Um, this, this is something that and we're going to touch on in, in our final segment later in today's show. Um, but the injuries continue to pile on for Houston, and it, it's absurd the amount of injuries that they've had. It seems like almost every game there's something that, that, that pops up. And we mentioned it, they had a week uh, off in between their game against Wichita State last week and, and Tulsa on January 15th. They're not going to have that luxury anymore. They have a quick turnaround. They play USF again on Tuesday at Fertitta Center. Um, but they keep – Calvin Thompson preached that next man up mentality, but we got to – and this is going to be a teaser a little bit for our next segment. But at some point, it, you'd imagine that eventually it'll start to catch up. But I've been impressed with – like you mentioned, it was Kyler Edwards last night. Tajay Moore had a couple of big plays where – I mean, the one that comes to mind was towards the end of the second half where it looked like the ball was going out of bounds uh, towards the baseline. Tajay Moore saves it, and he he literally throws a rocket back to Kyler Edwards and saves the possession there um, with the seconds winding down, uh, not allowing Tulsa to get the, to, to get the possession in the final seconds. But it always seems like Houston has someone step up with them. Uh, Dayon, I want to ask you – go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah, yeah, I just said something popped up in my mind as you were talking. And another thing that made me think about from last night, I remember in our conversation we was talking about in late game moments as the season goes on, who's going to take that shot? And we talked about the ball potentially being in Jamal Shed's hands and letting him pick the role to kind of make a decision. Another thing that I saw from Kyler, I think he stepped up in that moment. I think he proved in me, in my opinion, that he's going to be that guy especially we expect Jamal Shea to come back at some time. So I'm kind of, kind of looking into the future once they get into the tournament, even the conference tournament or late in games. I think kind of, kind of proved that he can be that person. And also, you got to remember, Fabian made big shots in the tournament a year ago. So whether mm-hmm. it's Jamal Shea or Kyler with the balls in their hands and that pick-and-roll action with Fabian, we know Fabian can make big shots as well. So that was just something that um, I thought about as you were talking yeah, for sure. You mentioned some of the other Fabian White, Tajay Moore. Uh, I was going to ask you in terms of what you saw from them. Josh Carlton had, at least compared to uh, his last couple of outings, especially since Marcus Sasson's been out, had a relatively quiet uh, performance in terms of the stat sheet. But he still had he still left an impact on the game, especially where yep. he had a couple of both him and Tajay Moore had a couple of pretty big blocks. Um, Josh Carlton finished with four blocks and a couple of them. Um, were really eye popping, whether they were glass cleaners or Tajay Moore. I think I can't remember if it was either Moore or Carlton, but they sent another block like into the first row of the corner. So they still had an impact on the game. And that just goes to show. And something Kevin Sampson says uh, multiple times when you look at the statue, it might not be impressive, but all these players, even though they're not shooting well, they always have a way to make an impact on the game. Right, and definitely Josh Carlton had an impact on the game. He he was four of eight. And that's one thing I love about Coach Sampson, in my opinion. I hear him say this all the time. He say, if you look at the game, he, he said each game has its own story. If you look at the game, it, it'll tell you what to do. And I'm sure, like the previous games, they came into that game, it's like, hey, we want to feed the post. We want to feed Josh because he's hot. But the way the story of the game was Kyler, so he would – he adjusted within the game like a great coach does and let Kyler play on ball and really take the high volume and really just play through him like like he should have done because that's what the game dictated. But you're right, Josh really had a good game. If he really did feature more, like if you would have shot maybe 15 to 20 shots, I think he would have had another 20-point game. But Tajay Moore, man, he plays so composed. He's 
he's I, I really don't know how to describe him. Coach Sampson talked about you now he's making winning plays with athleticism, but as athletic as he is, he just rarely makes boneheaded plays or where he's going too fast or just doing something that kind of make you scratch your head. Sometimes he may have turnovers, but everyone has turnovers. I just love how composed, how composed and how hard he plays. He was going after those rebounds. He, I think he's going to be a key piece. As he proved this early in the first game of the season, he can make big shots. So I, I really like this team, man. And our last episode, I mean, our, our last segment, I can't, I can't wait to, to discuss it. I got an interesting take, but I really like this team, man. I think Jamal is a, just a tough piece. But Reggie Chaney, he played big last game. Um against Tulsa. That's another player we didn't mention. Ten big points on the other player and double figures on any given night. You trust a player can step up and score the however it may be. Reggie was tough down low in the block. He he had a really good game rebounding. And I think those post players are, are so important and they're all can get you 10 plus points really on any given night from Josh to Fabian. Jawan had a lot more shot attempts last night. He played 18 minutes. He only had three points, but some of those shots going to his left hand, I'm sure he like that, you know, that he can make it. So I'm very impressed. Yeah, real quickly, standings across the American Athletic Conference um, through Sunday morning, January 16th, that we're recording this. Houston improved to 4-0 against the American Athletic Conference. The first time that Houston has ever, ever been able to be 4-0 uh, in the American Athletic Conference, the sixth time overall in the program history that they started conference play. 4-0, they also improved to 15-2 and overall. And when you look at the standings across the American, it, it's certainly been surprising. Um, it's been a lot of unexpected. SMU's number two. It seems like they're starting to, at least for the moment, separate themselves from everyone else. They're 4-1. and They're 13-4 and overall. Obviously led by Kendrick Davis. And then really it's everybody else outside of that. Two lanes at third at four and two with their conference record. Memphis continues to be struggling. They just don't seem to have been able to figure it out. And to be honest, um, I'd be curious to see how much of a hot seat their head coach Penny Hardaway would be in. They stand at three and three. Uh, Houston's no, next two. I don't, two even, I don't even think hot seat should be mentioned with Coach Penny. I don't even think so. I think that's some media. Uh, people would do with coaches and I don't think that that, that should be in the same sentence with, with Coach Penny. They're certainly struggling. No, 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 no. You're good, but I mean, they had high expectations. They're struggling. They stand at 9-7. Overall, Houston's yeah. next two opponents uh, in uh, next two opponents on Tuesday and next Saturday, they play South Florida on Tuesday. They got their first conference win of the season against UCF on Saturday. They are 1-3 in conference, 6-10 and ten overall. And East Carolina, they'll come in um, they are currently sitting at two and two against the American Athletic Conference and eleven and five overall. Dayan, I'll leave you with the final word. Any thoughts on uh, across the American Athletic Conference or at the men's basketball team before we transition over to our our second segment? Um, I think the American Conference is a pretty good conference. I, I think Tulane is definitely better than what their record says. Um, SMU is really good, led by Kendrick Davis, like you just mentioned. But that Tulane SMU game is a really good game. Um, two lane games are a few weeks away. I really love Jalen Cook and a couple of other pieces that they have, and they're definitely much better than their overall record. So, but the UH fans, like I said, I pretty much expect them to to run through the conference. I I, I don't know if they will go undefeated in conference play, but 
I feel like they definitely can barring any more injuries. Definitely like the way they're sitting. They definitely, without a doubt, has the best coach hands down in the conference, probably in the nation, I would say, in the nation, in my opinion. So the men just keep stacking the wins. I think they will. And that's going to do it for our first segment. Coming right up on Pot Slam Jam, we'll transition over to talking about the UH women's basketball team who uh, earlier in the, in the week had an opportunity to pull off an upset against Central Florida. Beating them, it would have ended a 10-game losing streak to the Knights. They fell a little bit short, and that seemed to have carried over into their next game on Saturday against Temple. We'll talk more about the women's team coming right up on Pot Slam Jam covering your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Continuing on here on Paul Slammer Jam, we're still talking hoops now. We're talking women hoops who... Well, on a win streak now, they've lost their last two games coming in, coming off a thriller against UCF on the road. And just um, a day ago, they lost to Temple on the road. And so the women's um, overall record now at nine and seven, two and two in conference play. And their last two games has really been a lot of turnovers. They have 44 turnovers over their last two games, 24 against UCF, 20 against Temple. And they played a lot of games consecutively. They haven't really had a, a, a lot of rest. They have a game on Monday, January 17th. We're recording this on Sunday, January 16th. And so the women's team, they were playing well, hit by COVID, came back, got a win against us, and now they lost their last two. Andy, what are you seeing from the women's team that you feel like they maybe they need to turn it around and, and get back on the winning side of things? Yeah, for sure. We'll start with with that Central Florida game that they had on Tuesday this past week. And really, I think the the story for them has been kind of the issues with turnovers. Again, they've kind of reared their ugly head the past two games. They've turned it over at least 20 times. They had 24 against UCF. And really, that that was what killed them. We mentioned it. Uh, we were texting a little bit about it during the game where really UCF was not as impressive offensively. They were struggling to get a lot of baskets, but with Houston turning the ball over so much, it was giving the Knights a lot of opportunities to to be able to score the ball and Houston dug themselves a hole that they had to come back and fight through, which give credit to them. They were able to do that. They were within the last possession and they just caught fire from three pointers in that fourth quarter. Brittany Anya J really started against UCF. She finished with a, I believe it was a career high with 20 points against the Knights, but once again, they fell short at the very end. They career, had, it, was a, it was a career high three pointers made for her five. Her career high was twenty three yeah. points against Oklahoma from a season ago. Correct five exactly five of nine three point shooting, um, a career high for Anya J. But then you go back to to the very last possession that Houston had the ball where they got about. I'd say like four or five different good looks at, at an opportunity to be able to tie the game and try to force overtime. And they just weren't able to convert. Now we mentioned it, it. It seemed like a heartbreaker. It certainly was a heartbreaker for them because they finally had the opportunity to do something. Like we mentioned, they hadn't been able to done in years. They lost to UCF 10 times in a row. Now that extends to 11 
And then they turned around, they played Temple on Saturday, and it seemed like um, uh, some of the same issues where they kept turning the ball over. And you look at some of the players, you know, Tatiana Hill, she had five turnovers on her own. Julia Blackshell Fair had four. And really, they struggled tremendously on offense. And really, that stands out eye-poppingly, Layla Blair, who I believe she got deep into the second half where she just wasn't able to make a field goal. She struggled tremendously. And we kind of mentioned it with the men's team where if one player struggles, it kind of seems like they have others step up. We mentioned, we've mentioned it in the past where the women's basketball team is a little bit similar where if Layla Blair struggles, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're kind of, you know, dead in the water because they have a lot of these other scores, but against Temple, really, they no one else was able to step up. And I, I, you look up and down the stat sheet, Layla Blair shot the ball 15 times. No one else, Tiara Young, was the closest one, and she took nine field goal attempts. So those struggles by Layla Blair really impacted the team overall. But what say you, Dayon? What did you see from uh, the past week of games and, and the close loss to UCF and a disappointing loss to Temple? Yeah, we're just starting with UCF. Like we said, turnovers. I feel like if they wouldn't have – you also got to give credit to UCF's defense. Their, their defense had not allowed opponents to score over 50 points, and they played a really good, tough non-conference schedule. So they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. And so but with that being said, Houston just was just point over, turnovers that led to easy transition buckets, and they're not the best offensive team. They don't have really just shooters, or they don't – they, they like to play inside out. So I got to give Coach Huey credit with coaching adjustments going to that zone. And that was pretty much allowed Houston to create turnovers and get some transition. The player that st- stood out more than the, the numbers say, I don't, I'm like, I like Coach Sampson. I can watch a game and not even look at the numbers and tell who's the best player on that game in that day. And it was Brittany Orange. It was just her will to win. Her at the top of that zone getting deflections. It might not have led to a steal, but she got a deflection, made a tough pass, which allowed her teammate to get a steal, allowed them to get out in transition and get an easy bucket. And then just from her aggressiveness on the offensive end, taking tough shots and making them. Or maybe maybe she would miss it, create an offensive rebound position. And so what I saw was a, a, a will to win from Houston. I feel like they gave confidence, although it'd be a loss. And then you travel again on the road to Temple. And I don't know if it was fatigue, but just early they still couldn't get, didn't get shots to fall. I still feel like late in this game, because we've seen it throughout this season, that they can get hot at any moment and just start making shots. And so the one player that was able to make score was Tamara Nard. She only played, I think, like 14 minutes, but early in that, I believe the second quarter, she had like six or eight straight points, and she was one of the players coming off that bench, and especially missing Bria Patterson and Diamond Gladden who didn't play in that game. You need other players to step up, particularly at their four spot. Um, and Tamara Nar did that in the first half and then didn't play much in the second half, and that kind of had me scratching my head just a little bit. Because like I said with Coach Sampson, he allowed the story of the game to dictate who's going to play in she was one of the only players who could generate offense and could score, but then for her not to play more in the second half, I was kind of wondering. And then for Layla, I mean, it's just what, as a great player, you are not always going to make shots. So, uh, I mean, I like how she was still aggressive. She was still, although her shots were falling, she was driving, creating contact, 
against Temple, getting to the foul line. And Tierra Young, I think she plays better as a starter from what I'm seeing from throughout this entire season. She's came off the bench the last couple of games, but in that very first start at their win streak, she was inserted to the starting lineup. And I just from watching her, just in my opinion, I think she plays better as a starter. She's more comfortable. That way, if she makes a couple of mistakes early, I think she can just kind of play through them. She plays more of a rhythm player, in my opinion. So, they maybe get her back in the starting lineup. Although, um, if they can not turn the ball over and rebound, they pretty much can beat any team. Now, I, 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 don't, I think it's just it's just so fatigue, a lot of fatigue. Uh, they played a game on January 5th, and then three days later, they played another game against Tulsa. And then three days later, they played UCF. Then four days later, they played Temple. And now in a two-day span, they have two lanes. So that's a lot of games, a lot of travel, a lot of wear and tear. So I'm sure fatigue has to be set in somewhere. But uh, I still like their team and what they have. They just have to put it together. And looking at their upcoming schedule against Tulane, they're 0-3, but still a good team. I expect to win. Cincinnati will win. Memphis, go around, get on back on the three-game win streak before you have South Florida – Come and do game will be on ESPN, a televised national televised game. And so I can't wait. I think these next couple of weeks is going to be very important. Yeah, it is also uh, worth noting that Diamond Gladney did not play in Saturday's game against Temple. Um, real quickly, looking across the American Athletic Conference standings from the women's side, uh, UCF remains at number one. They're three and zero in conference, eleven two overall. SMU's right there with them at three and zero in the American Athletic Conference. They're nine and six overall, and of course South Florida rounds out. Um, they're also undefeated. They're two and zero. They're twelve and four overall. And Temple rounds out the four undefeated teams in the American Athletic Conference so far in conference play. They are also two and zero in conference play, seven and six overall. Houston falls towards the middle of the pack in the conference. There fall to two and two against the American athletic conference. And now after losing two in a row, fall to nine and seven down uh, a couple of things. And this is what I'm curious about because, and, and whether it's fair or not, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. That loss to temple for Houston, barring absurd, uh, you can't really control what goes around, but I would say, Houston losing a Temple arguably kind of eliminated any chance that Houston has at getting an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. What say you? I would say it's too early to say. It's too early in conference play to say because who knows the synergy that Temple is going to have. Mia Davis, one of the best players in the conference. And what, who's to say with the run? They can go on to beat UCF, beat South Florida, and beat a lot of these teams. And their net record can go up. But who's can go on a run and beat the rest of their teams? They beat Temple, and they can finish one and two. So it's, uh, it's too early to say. It's way, way, way too early, in my opinion, a lot of basketball to be played to even come to that conclusion or to even think that. But if you go by rankings and net rankings and all these different numbers, I can understand what one will say that. But it's a lot of basketball to be played. Temple has the talent on their team. Starting with their starting player, Mia Davis. And I've seen South Florida play. I've seen UCF. I've seen the top teams in these conferences. They're not just overwhelmingly dominating teams like UConn did when they were in this conference. So a lot of basketball to be played. That, that's my take on it. That's what I think. Right, Dan. And off the heels of that, you know, sticking with 
like you mentioned, it's still way too early. There's still a lot of basketball left to be played. I, I, I get that viewpoint, but then you also have the argument in terms of the national perspective, especially when it comes to respect for the women's basketball side of the American Athletic Conference. It's not necessarily and it's unfortunate because if Temple were to make a run and, and say they, they go on a heck of a run, they beat UCF, they beat USF. I still think that from a national perspective, that would be seen more of an opportunity to bash the American Athletic Conference overall, rather than say, hey, Temple is just a really good team this year. They deserve their props. But um, like you mentioned, there's still much too early. There's still a lot of basketball that's to be played. But I think that that's kind of the um, drawback of playing in the American Athletic Conference. I feel like Houston, at the very least, they're already finding, finding kind of an uphill battle yeah, Real quickly, uh, Dayon, I want to transition over um, to kind of what the mentality has to be for the women's side going forward. Like you mentioned, uh, they still have uh, they have a couple of home games coming up and the turnaround is going to be tough. They play January 17th, this upcoming Monday against Tulane. They turn around on Wednesday. They have to play Cincinnati and then they finish the week at Memphis that's those are three games in a, in a really close stretch. Um, really what has to be the mindset for the women's team to put that bad loss against Temple behind them and going forward. And, and like you mentioned, they have to rack up some wins in the American athletic conference. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your, your point going back to it. They're fighting up here battle. And I think they know that. I think they learned from a season ago and, I also agree that they lost at Temple can potentially well, not even potentially. I think that is a is a disappointing loss just from where Houston is talent wise and everything. I feel like they should have won the game. And so I, I I agree with your point for sure. I think their mindset going forward, especially these next couple of weeks, is just rest up, try try to get as much rest as you can and not have the mental laps, the mental mistakes, turning the ball over, just clean it up as much as possible and just allow the talent and the team to play. Like you know that you can play, go take care of business this next couple of weeks. Then you have, I believe, like eight days or so, a week before you play South Florida, you're able to get some rest. And then you have a really tough test. But the next couple of weeks, just keep your head down as far as stay locked in and keep going. It's a lot of season, a lot of season ahead of you. One thing you can control is what you can control and just, just keep going, taking a day at a time, trying to go one and oh each week. But I would definitely get be playing with a sense of urgency, like you said, just from the perception in the conference as a whole. You have to be aware of that, and you have to play with a sense of urgency week by week, and I think they will. That's going to do it for our second segment. Coming right up on Pod Slime Jamma for our final segment, we talk, we transition over back to the men's basketball team, and we'll pose the question, will the men's basketball team finally have the injuries catch up to them? Like we mentioned, they were down to just seven players once Jamal Shedd went down. Kelvin Sampson telling Ryan Elvin to tape up his ankles is ready. They're going to need to rely on minutes from everywhere. Coming right up on Pod Slam Jamma, covering your UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Last segment here on Pod Slamma Jamma. And the question is, will injuries catch up to this UH men's basketball team meet? 
We know they're down. Um, a lot of key pieces, man. Marcus Sasser, Shaman Mark, and the now the latest, Jamal Shed, who Coach Sampson said had a severe ankle sprain and he is um, to be determined how long he will be out. And with those injuries, um, but yeah, still on a seven game winning streak. Andy, what do you think? Will the injuries catch up with the men's program? Yeah, to be honest, I've been amazed to this point where they, they've continued to kind of keep chugging along uh, despite the injuries. And we mentioned it like the big, obviously, of course, the two big ones with Tremont Mark and Mark Sasser, the season enders, and they've been able to to kind of continue to adapt. And, and it always seems like someone, regardless of what game it is, there's always someone else that steps up. Um, you know, we mentioned it in the past. It's been Josh Carlton, it's Fabian White against Tulsa. It was Kyler Edwards. There's there always seems to be someone that steps up, but it, I feel like, especially in these games, whenever you start um, getting deeper into conference play, and they're going to play South Florida on Tuesday, that that's going to be a quick turnaround from Saturday night to Tuesday night having to play South Florida and uh, Houston. They opened the conference schedule against USF. That was the first game that the Cougars really got a chance to play. And, 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 and my mistake, that was actually the second conference game that they, that they started um, against South Florida. It was in Tampa, the second conference game of the season, but it's a, it's a, another turnaround where they play South Florida. It's a team that they've already played and South Florida, they kind of hung in there in that first half in that game. Houston was able to pull away late in the, in the second half, but I feel like eventually they're going to have to catch her. We mentioned post game against Tulsa. You have Kelvin Sampson talking about the team was kind of run running on fumes a little bit. I think he mentioned where there was a couple of times where I believe he said it was Tajay Moore would come up to him. He would ask for a breather because he was so tired. He needed a break to just be able to catch his breath. And Kelvin Sampson told him he couldn't, he couldn't sub him out just in terms of they didn't have anyone to be able to go in there and play those minutes that they needed him to do. I think eventually, and you look at the schedule, they play South Florida on Tuesday. They have a couple of days off before they have to play East Carolina on Saturday. As of now, after that East Carolina game, they're going to have a week off again from Saturday to Saturday until they have to play UCF on January 29th. Um, it's also worth noting that it, it seems like eventually they're going to try to reschedule that uh, conference game against Cincinnati that was originally supposed to be the conference opener that got postponed on December 28th. But I look up and down the roster. They can't go with a seven-man rotation for the rest of the season. And it, obviously a big factor will depend how long Jamal Shedd is out. Um, when asked about it, uh, Calvin Sampson said, again, we've reiterated, he said that it was a badly sprained ankle. He asked Jamal Shedd, how bad was it? And Shedd told him it was bad, bad. And that's when Sampson said that he knew he was going to be out a while. But I don't know. I just feel like in terms of law of averages, I feel eventually it'll catch up to them because you have Kyler Edwards, who's been dealing with his own injuries. He played all 40 minutes last night against Tulsa, Josh Carlton. Uh, he only played 23. Tajay Moore played 37 minutes and you have Fabian White playing 29. Uh, what say you, Dayon? What do you think? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say as long as they have the head man, Coach Kelvin Sampson, the best coach in the country, like I said, I don't care if they have seven. If they have seven, 
I expect them, especially throughout this conference, then when they get into conference, I mean, into the tournament, if they, they're going to already be accustomed to amount of minutes, their rotation, everything is it's only going to be embedded in what they have to do. And so I, I like it. I think as well, long as they got their head, man, it would not catch up to them. If they get down to six and five, well, then it will. But as long as they got seven, I'm without a doubt confident in Coach Sampson and what they have because you look and you just at the minutes, those post players were fresh. And what that does is it allows them to play that tough, um, long defense with their post players, keep them fresh with rebounding the basketball. And so I, I, I like Coach Sampson. I like he can get enough out of the guards that he have. I know he says Robbie Armbrister is more like a small man's four, and he, that's why he's not playing more of a guard position. But if they have to put him in, I don't know what he can bring Coach Sampson season. Whatever Coach Sampson um, decides to do, I'm with it 100%, 1,000%. I don't think they will. I do definitely think they need Jamal Shedd, and he'll be back maybe. I I've had ankle sprains in my life, so maybe two weeks, maybe th- two to three weeks max. He'll be back in. But with that, if they, as long as they have at least seven, eight, they won't catch up with them. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, really, that's going to be a, a big factor how long Shed is out. Um, after he, he didn't return to the game, there was a lot of times where, I mean, you were even seeing Tajay Moore bringing up the ball and kind of setting up the offense once they got into the half-court set. Um, what do you think about Tajay Moore kind of being that playmaker for Houston and and really having to do it for extended periods of time to where he's kind of initiating the offense? I think he could do it. I think he could do it. He's a grad senior. He, he has a ton of experience. He has the utmost respect for Coach Simpson. So what that tells me, Coach Simpson already used that analogy as far as when he first got here, I would have told him to run through a wall. But now if I tell him to do it, he'll t- he'll say, how um, can I get a head start? And so and he, he's bought in with the culture. He, he has the skill set, ability to bring the ball and initiate the offense. He can do it. He, he's not going to play outside himself. And so I feel very confident with Tajay Moore, with Kyler, all the guards they have left, even Ramon Walker. He didn't score that much last um, in their last game against Tulsa, but I'm telling you, he got the skill set to go off at any moment, just like Kyler, and, and make four and five threes in a row and have a 15, 20-point game. And so it's only a matter of time before he has a big game, and then we're on. Everyone's talking about, you see Ramon Walker, and I'm going to be sitting back like, hey, if I told you so, I know he can do it because uh, I've seen it with my eyes. And so I, I have nothing but faith in Coach Sampson's injuries would not catch up to him as long as they have seven, eight, they're going to be good and they're going to make a long run in the tournament watch. I like your confidence. And obviously, of course, it's it always seems like it's a smart bet to bet in favor of Kelvin Sampson. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just more of a pessimist. But I, I look up and down the roster of the players that, that played last night against Tulsa. You mentioned Connor Edwards. He's played 40 minutes. He's had to deal with ankle injuries of his own this season. Tajay Moore has also had a couple of uh, – lingering injuries that have been bothering him Fabian White obviously of course this season he's been good he hasn't really had to deal with a couple of issues I know he had an ankle sprain heading into this game against Tulsa it seemed like he was fine enough to play almost 30 minutes but even that right there that's worrisome Reggie Chaney there was this past week um, leading up to the the game against Tulsa Kelvin Sampson says that Reggie Chaney was finally a, at a point where he could use both of his hands and be effective. He's been dealing with an arm injury. Jaywan Roberts, he's had issues with with um, a couple of uh, 
leg yep. injuries as well. Robbie Armbrester, who earlier in the season had to deal with knee injuries that that Calvin Sampson at one point said that they have to inject him with something that he had to keep his knees elevated. So really, he's been kind of you look up and down the roster and it's absurd at the amount of injuries that they've had to deal with just top to bottom. Like it's one thing and it, it, they they vary from, like you mentioned, Reggie Chaney with an arm injury to uh, Tremont Mark shoulder injury, Marcus Sasser uh, with his fifth metatarsal ankle sprains. It's just absurd that really something um, honestly that I've never seen and I, I get your point. I think it's a smart bet to always be able to go in favor of Calvin Sampson, but I don't know, man. They they had a point where there's seven men and Calvin Sampson even mentioned it, that, that they're at a point where they can't really even practice one. Of course, if they're injured, they're kind of weary of trying to practice too hard, but at some, they don't have enough bodies to be able to fully practice. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. They don't. So in, in the regular season, as far as, back-to-back games, the way the schedule was set up, they may lose one one game, one or two games. But I'm just thinking the Clearview tournament, they're going to have rest. So I don't care if they have right. a seven or eight. They'll be rested. <laughs> They'll be ready to go. And so that's why I've been very confident, not only in Coach Sampson, especially Coach Sampson, number one, but two, they're playing personnel. Look at the post players, and they can play either way, inside out. Any one of their guards can step up at any moment and go off. Then when Kyler showed me last night, he got that it factor. Them big moments, now I see that he the one that's going to be ready to take those big shots and knock them down. We talked about saving other players who can hit them, but mm-hmm. I, I like where they sit right now. I like that confidence, but I think uh, at the very least, what's going to be a lot more common is going to be kind of what we saw in that second half against Tulsa where – uh, they just go on a stretch where it seemed like Tulsa was just moving at speed faster than Houston, especially mm-hmm. early on in that second half. And then you have Calvin Sampson saying after the game, they were just exhausted. They were running on fumes. I think it'll be interesting to see how they come out and how they play against USF. And I think yeah, whether it comes with, with the remaining guards that they do have, like we mentioned, Tyler Edwards, Fabian White has shown that he can knock down shots. But I'll, I'm curious to see how they come from a standpoint of – that's like, where are their legs at? Because I'd imagine against USF having that quick turnaround, they're going to have dead legs. They're going to have tired legs. But with going back to Houston's culture, they're going to fight through it. They're going to push through. But at some point, I feel like there's a limit. But maybe I'm just a pessimist. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, that's what I'm saying. That's why it goes back into culture. Because now you use more timeouts. Now you play a little bit of zone. You find different ways to arrest your players outside of what it said on the stat sheet, he played 40 minutes. Well, it might not be 40 minutes of high pressure or back and forth basketball like we might have custom play. Now mm-hmm. it's made, we play a stretch of five to eight minutes or 10, however many minutes to where we're in a zone, allow players to rest and not chase players around all over. You know, right. So it's different ways to, although they may play a lot of minutes, but you rest them in games. And so, and I, and I trust Coach Simpson to be able to do that. For sure. And I think it'll be uh, depending on how other teams play them. But I agree. You 
you're going to start seeing Houston uh, to be one of the slowest teams in terms of possessions. And really, that, that's going to go into trying to play through Fabian White and Josh Carlton, slow down the game, make uh, limit the number of possessions there are in the game just so players can have more of that rest, especially when they're on offense where they can control the tempo of the game. But really, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. We greatly appreciate it for you tuning in. And be sure to follow at Apollo HRU for blogs, merch, videos, and podcasts not found anywhere else. Dan, take it away. Also, be sure to follow our Twitter account, FSPodSlamMajama. Follow both our personal handles. And we look forward to the rest of the season. A lot of basketball to be played. Um, the men's still killing it. And the recruiting track is starting up. But so it for this episode, like Andy said, like, subscribe to where we listen to our podcast. As always, go Cougs.